0: I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. So you know how to walk, you know how to dance. You ever dance with the devil in the day and the night? Welcome to another episode of the Latin Dance Community Podcast. And today on the show, I have Christian Tumalan, who is pianist and co leader of the Pacific Mamba Orchestra, along with Stefan Kuhn. Um, so, Christian, thank you for coming on the show here today.
1: Thanks, Robert. Thanks for inviting me and inviting us to um, you know, share with you guys what's, what's coming up. So, I'd uh, say uh, thanks for the show, and then uh, everybody, hi.
0: Yeah, yeah, well and, and us, right? Because you guys are are quite the big band. I know you you really focus on the big band mentality here, so you got it do I have it right nineteen different members of the of the band?
1: Uh you missed by one. We're twenty actually. Ah okay. <laughs> twenty. Man. Yeah. So it's a traditional big band format, uh four trombones, four trumpets, five saxophones and in this case a Latin written section. So that I'm two lead singers on the front, so we, we, we're a big um, power, powerhouse.
0: Yeah, so let's expand on that a little bit. Tell me more about when the orchestra actually started, when you assembled this, and why you decided to, to do this.
1: Well, uh, first of all, it's a very crazy idea. Um, nowadays, uh, as you probably know, in order to sustain a band, that big is almost impossible for many reasons. Um, but uh, when I got together with my partner Stefan, uh, we talked about we have a common vision and and dream to have a band, a big band playing Latin music because we our background comes from playing with many uh, Latin bands, salsa bands, Latin jazz groups. And uh, when we got together in a in one meeting. We said, you know, let's just get this started and see what happens. So we, we started making phone calls to the best cat in town. I'm talking about, you know, people like um, Carpetazo from the Carlos Santana Band, um, Mike Greentown, the trombone. He plays with a bunch of people. Eddie James has performed with, you know, a bunch of Tower of Power and many other people. So we simply started by calling the best cat in town we knew for the job. And everybody said yes you know, say, hey, I want to do it, Um, so to make a long story short, you know, we started the band, we started uh, playing on a a weekly basis, it was more like our um, uh, weekly rehearsal, Um, slowly we started to attract uh, an audience, you know, which is funny because we, we combined both audiences, the dancing crowd, which is completely you know, salsa, congress, uh, dance company, related dancers, and jazz listeners. You know Jazz uh, listeners that enjoy the sounds of the big band, or the jazz sounds in general, or the Latin jazz sound. So we started to attract a lot of these people, and um, it seems like the big band in that format had been forgotten for a while, but then the fact that we brought it, brought it up in actively started to cause some impact. Um, so anyway, and it wasn't until you know we released the first album eh, that we funded by using Kickstarter.com on the internet uh, we raised um, $10,000 barely to produce the album. We basically did everything in-house It came out really good. Um, our ma- now manager Michael Lazarus, he encouraged us to submit it to the Grammys and then uh, guess what, but the next year we were nominated and then we won the Grammy. (laughs) So, (laughs) that, um, the, the, you know, we were competing against big stars like Mark Anthony, Carlos Vives, uh, Sergio George, uh, many of the biggest icons out there in this genre, and we beat them. So it was a great, great, uh, a big surprise for us, but also it was a great Um, motivation for us to continue this music, because uh, it seems like a lot of people, not even at the uh, corporate level, but also in general, people have been uh, craving the return of the big band sound, so uh, I think that's part of the reasons that we've been getting highly accepted by uh, the general crowd. Yeah, Um,
0: I mean, so, actually, to stop you there, Christian, because you just quickly went over something that I don't think the listeners will fully appreciate. You're saying that you raised money on Kickstarter for yeah. the CD that eventually also won a Grammy. And I assume that's your first Grammy, right? Yeah,
1: it was a $10 production. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I mean, that, that in itself is incredible. I mean, I consider that like, you basically hacked the Grammys. So, like, what, what did you actually do to get on their radar? Like, for anyone who's listening, who maybe runs their own Latin band, jazz band, something in their own city, like, how did you even begin to, to, to do that?
1: appear on the map. Well, you know, certainly that's one of the questions that a lot of people have asked us. And I want to start by the most obvious answer. The music's gotta be good. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have good material, uh, especially in this category, which is highly competitive in terms of um, language, especially if you're talking about Afro-Cuban music, everything from salsa, salsa, mambo, wawanko, all that. So you definitely have to have a good sounding record to start. Uh, From there, you have to either hook up with somebody who's a member of the Grammy Academy, you can make yourself a member. You have to compile certain credits for that. But um, you can do it. I think that there's uh, many states now that have offices that you can sign up for the Grammys or many people out there um, might be a member. So a member submits the material to the Grammy Association for, for approval, and for review. And to make a long story short, once your CD is approved, it goes through several stages of selection until what is called the, the, the nominee. You you have a committee of people sitting in a room who are specialized in, in this um, uh, field, and They get to decide what are the top five productions that deserve the nomination, and that's basically what, to make a long story short, the the way it works. So every single person who who has a good sounding album, I, I believe, has a chance.
0: Right, and let's actually talk about that. So what what do you think makes a good-sounding album in in our genre that we're talking about here with Salsa, Mambo, um, maybe just from an ear point, but also, you know, I just heard a recent podcast talking a lot about math in music as well. So how do those two things factor into how you you really lead your band and what kind of sound you go for?
1: Yeah, well, definitely for our record, uh, we, this is the first time... Me, myself as a producer, and my partner Stefan, we have been meticulously <laughs> deciding every single aspect of the recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting from the repertoire, we made sure that we had a nice flow on the playlist for that album uh, in terms of uh, presenting a good variety. You know, last thing you want is to. Listen to an album that is the same thing on every single track. You know, you want to have something different. So we, we want to have that variety. Uh, the selection of musicians from the beginning of even putting the band together, it's top notch. So uh, that made it a lot easier for us to to record. You know, when you have top musicians, everything just flows in a much better way. You know, if you know what you're doing in your instrument, then you know, everything thinks, uh, everything flows better. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the the production, well, we had the music, we had the performance recorded, we also had to take um, several decisions in terms of uh, featured artists, uh, we were back and forward with many names, uh, the Sheila E, Tito Puente, uh, Ray Oviedo, he's in the record, uh, he performed with Herbie Hancock back in the days. We perform mm. uh, we selected Tommy Igo, which is uh he has a huge following on the big band uh side of things. Uh Will Torres, he's uh, sort of a Nikon vocalist from New York, um Salcedo. He uh used to record and perform with Spanish Harlem Orchestra. Mm. So uh, and the and the big hit that we have in the album, in the in the first album is uh, Overjoyed. It's a song by like Stevie Wonder. Yeah, guess what, that was a hit. <laughs> um, and then we selected Kenny Washington, who is a virtuoso, he's a vocalist. If you get to hear this version we did of Overjoy, you simply would be blown away. This man, Kenny Washington, really, really um, performed, took this song to a whole different level. So to answer to your question, all these elements were put together in the making of this album, you know? Um... Not to mention on the on the technical side, you know, mixing wise, uh, myself I mix the album myself in my studio, and all the mixing uh, decisions in terms of volumes and, and panning and, uh, and sound also counts as well. So every single thing needs to be well thought.
0: It sounds like I need to recruit you for my podcast to include uh, improve my sound quality. What do you think, man? What do you think?
1: Well, th- I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever helps. Yeah. Uh,
0: ah, yeah. uh, Shaxx, you're just saying that because I'm interviewing you. Um, but no, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's um, I, you know obviously I'm not producing any music here, but okay. I've already learned a lot about audio quality just from doing this, and I have crappy equipment compared to i'm sure what what you have but just going through that process using GarageBand, trying to make it sound halfway decent on the podcast all that stuff is you know it's like tinkering around with things trying things i'm not working with a band it's really just me trying to make these things happen but on the mixing side I definitely can see where you're coming from um so you know no, the, I like
1: what you're saying sorry, sorry to drop you there yeah I, I just want to make a note there i see a lot of mistakes a lot of uh of my fellows and colleagues make you know, sometimes we focus so much on the technical aspect of things and, you know, compiling gear and the next plugin available and all that, but we forget about the music, you know? Mm. So you got to remember that, you know, you can become a better sound engineer, you know, uh, you, have, you can have the best piece of gear, but the music's got to be there. You know, you have to come up, you know, with a good sounding sound to start, and then everything works. You know, that's, that's my
0: ultimate advice. It it reminds me a lot of efficiency versus effectiveness. You could do things very efficiently, but if you're doing the wrong things, it doesn't really matter. So that, that's definitely what that reminds me of. And speaking of that sound, because I saw an interview with you where you were talking about the new track that's coming up, the, um, if I have this here, the Pacific Mambo Dance. So that song, which is on the new album, you were talking about how you came up with the main rift in that, in that song. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: The main riff, yeah, the main riff is not that hard. Uh, it's a E flat seven chord. That's it. It's just one chord. That's it. That's the chord cell. In composition techniques, it's called a motif. Um, it got to my head at three in the morning. I was, uh, you know, getting out of bed. I went to the bathroom because, you know, things happen in the middle of the night. <laughs> Uh, and it just came to my mind, you know, uh, and I started singing and I w- made, wanted to make sure that I didn't forget about it. So I recorded it on my on my um, iPhone memos, you know, mm. and that's how I come out with the main leaf of the song.
0: <laughs> yeah, inspiration strikes you all times of day and night, right? You just got to be ready to to accept that. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll yeah, definitely...
1: definitely have something handed to to, to record it or to write it down because
0: he he, he won't come back. <laughs> yep yep I know mean, it's completely gone if you let it pass. Tell me about the video then because in the video I was watching and I saw that you got um who was it John and Andrew from America's Got Talent I saw them at the San Francisco salsa congress for the first time in the oh, yeah. uh the Jack and Jill the the that was incredible those guys are amazing dancers how do you connect with them.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so John has been a friend of mine for many years now. Um, I used to they a uh, 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 Salsera uh, who used to perform in his team, Salsa Mania. So I've known him for a while. Uh, we've been back and forward in, in Salsa Congresses many times. So uh, I saw his um, a appearance in America's Got Talent. The Bay Area was really excited for them. And it happened to be at the same time where we were deciding the, the people who were gonna perform in the video. So, in terms of assets and, and friendship, we said, you know, John is and Andrew are the best guys. That, that's our heart. These guys are two guys dancing together, which is unusual. <laughs> um, and, and these guys really, really do that job. Amazing. I mean, when you see them perform even live, You are like, you you know, amazed by them. So we decided these guys need to be in the video. I made a call to John. He accepted it. So he's in the video doing all his tricks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So when does the the official launch of the video and the song and the album, when does all that happen?
1: Good. Yeah. So uh, the video is being processed by Vivo as we speak. We're expecting any time next week to be on air. And I suggest to all our fans and all the people who are listening to stay put on our Facebook page, Pacific Mambo. Uh, very simple, just go Facebook Pacific Mambo, um, give us a like, make sure, um, and then you'll see uh, updates. And uh, it would be on air. Uh, we we can't make promises because uh, you know it's kind of hard to predict uh, when we was gonna have it ready. But um, next week, sometime next week, will be on air.
0: Okay, and speaking of the fans, what does the next six to nine months look like for you guys as far as touring, as far as events that you're doing, are we going to see you at any salsa congresses, what uh, What do you have in your future?
1: Good, yeah, so a uh, very important question, it's is kind of like the question we revisited many times after we won the Grammy, we had a great turnout, we got a great year of uh, performances here and there. Uh, So this year is all about raising the profile. Uh, Even though we we had a great exposure to the Grammys Grammys and uh, uh, and our album moving along, uh, we, uh, let let me see how, this is like like the core um, issue we we faced, that salsa and mambo uh, is somehow being limited to a certain group of people. Meaning people who, you know, in their 40s, 50s, who experienced the pania back in the 70s, that still remember and want to be, or want to see a show like this, or dancers such as yourself who go to salsa congresses and they go to uh, events, salsa events, right? So these two groups of people that we believe are our followers. But we we think well, how are we gonna crossover and how are we wanna take this music, please not only our fans and, and and dancers, but also the rest of the people. The rest of the people deserve to know. Hey, you know, here's a big man. We play mambo, you know, and this is not exclusive for a, for a small um, amount of uh, a crowd. So part of this new single is our first attempt to say hey guys, we don't care about what, how old are you we don't care what is your uh, ethnicity background, what is your uh, nationality we want you to like the Mambo because it's universal so this is the first main goal we're having for this year we're trying to take this music and the joy of salsa and Mambo to everybody,
0: period mm-hmm. Cool.
1: Um, and, of course, you know, this year also implies um, elevating our profile. We had a great show coming up uh, at Stengro Festival, which is one of the biggest uh, festivals in California. We have some um, concerts in in Arizona. We planning to expand um, more in the United States and hopefully sometime at the end of the year or next year in Europe.
0: Great. Great. Well, so... Tell me – I I want to get – we'll get back to more about how people can get involved and where they can can follow you and find more information. But just a couple of more rapid-fire questions I have just really to appease my own curiosity. Hopefully, people will find it mildly interesting as well. But for me, first of all, like what is the relationship that you have with the dancers? That is, when you're playing the music – what do you think of when you see the dancers there basically interpreting the, the music that you're playing, you know, through their movements? How how do you feel about that? How do you interpret that? What do you just feel that relationship is like between you and the
1: dancers? Yeah, so uh, it is a very important question because without dancers, a salsa band, we are nobody, <laughs> <laughs> right? We we need people to dance over music and listen to our music, of course. So uh, – Myself, I consider myself not a professional dancer but an amateur dancer. you know, I go to the socials and I, I love you know just going out on Saturday night to a salsa club and, and and dance. So I first connect with with dancers in a way of imagining myself being on the dance floor as I'm playing so part of the success of the band I think has been about me as band leader, making sure that the songs are ideal for a dancer, meaning mm, songs that are not too fast, not too slow, not too long, (laughs) not too short.
0: I'm so Um, glad you said that. Uh, I I got to interrupt because – that is my number one pep peeve. Not even the speed. You know, I would like them usually to be a little bit slower than what they play. But man, every single band plays these songs way too long. You're talking oh, eight, nine, bad. ten minutes, and it's just brutal. And it, do do bands understand the pain that we're in as dancers, or do they just like get in a groove and just don't want to stop? Because I understand that element of being in a band. That you know, sometimes you're just in this groove and you want to give each person a shot at at solos, and you just want to like. Go at it, but what what is the dynamic happening there? Do they just not understand that that we don't like really long songs?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, this is like the core issue that you know. I started my first band, Montuno Swing, as a study as a six-piece band, and I wanted to demonstrate and prove everybody that we can make a salsa band around of six people. So that's Montuno Swing it was the first um, album that we released, um, and in that band, I experienced a lot of uh, different... Uh, I experimented with a lot of different things musically. Speed, length and a lot of things and I think that first group really gave me, gave me a lot of uh, parameters. So first one, I understand what you're saying, the length of the song. So uh, this is something I want to talk about on the musician's perspective. Uh, if you're on a stage it's not that we are rob like like we are robots, right? That we just click play and we start playing, right? We need to warm up. Let's say at the at the, be- at the beginning of the night, we warm up and then we get in sync with the rest of the musicians, and then uh, we're creating momentum on the stage, correct? So we have a salsa tune, and as you probably know, salsa is a very improvisational type of music, there's a lot of improvisation going on, Um, so uh, momentum starts to build, so when you're hearing the peak of that momentum happens most of the time towards minute five or six on a song, so this is the the, the, the enigma that I was trying to um, find uh, how can I keep that momentum in my band without sacrificing the energy that is being built on the stage? Without sacrificing you as a dancer, you're on the dance floor, and good, you know, good luck if you are dancing with the right person. You know? <laughs> uh, so how can I consolidate this so my musicians are not suffering from stopping them building this momentum? Because ultimately a band is gonna sound better if you catch them in their momentum correct mm-hmm. so how can I keep that um, a, a balance so that has been kind of the question um I have a couple of tricks and secrets that I've developed <laughs> <laughs> um, that um, maybe I don't know if i, could, I should say said them right now but so,
0: so then but but then my question it sounds like the answer to my question of do bands that play live styles music at congresses and, and other events, do they understand yeah. that, that we don't enjoy long songs? It sounds like they do understand, but number one priority for them, a lot of times maybe the music and, and getting in that rhythm and getting the the correct feeling uh, out of the music, maybe that's their number one priority and maybe the dancers come second or is it that they don't understand that, that we feel that way?
1: So this is what it is. I think that that question... It is not meant to be um, generalized, Hmm. meaning, uh, I'm going to give an example, okay? In the Bay Area, we have over 50 salsa bands, right? Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them are really good, some of them are really bad. (laughs) It doesn't mean the same, you dancing a song to a band that is really bad, and you dance three minutes. It's it's terrible, right? Hmm. But if you're dancing to a band who's hardly grooving, plays 10, 12 minutes, and you're dancing with the right partner, dude, that's a dream come true for everybody. So you know, imagine yourself dancing with your best dance partner. You know, it's a hot girl dancing with you, right? And you don't want the music to stop. <laughs> <But> <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> um, yep. And then, um, I and mean, the band is grooving. So it comes down on the music, on the music side. If the band is good and they know what the they know the language of the Afro Cuban language, they know that it, it, there's a term in Spanish called afincao. I don't know if you heard it before. No. Afincado means when the band is just tight. Hmm. You know, it's not loose ends on the rhythm, on the on the groove. It's it's tight. So when the band is tight, something very it, funny funny happens, you don't feel the length of the song. You just grew with it. And I think I just revealed to you one of my secrets.
0: <laughs> yes. See has how I backdoored into that? I completely tricked you. Um uh-huh. so now we have your secret record. Perfect. Um but <laughs> but so then I, I I would even say what I think we gotta do. Is not changed anything at all. Still have long songs. Still make it where people can, as as a band, they can do their thing. They can play the music the way they want to play it to hit that crescendo when they want to hit it. And all we need is like a socially sanctioned intermission. Sometime during the music of a 10-minute song where everyone understands like, okay, if you want to get off this train a minute five, here's the time to get off. Just something like that so that we can get off right. if we want to get off and the people who want to stay on can stay on. You know, like one of those interludes maybe where it's just, uh, you know, very light instrumentals. Uh, I'm I'm trying to recall some some songs where I've heard that, but uh, something like that or maybe, I don't know, some, maybe just the DJ, like, okay, switch, whatever. But something like that would
1: be right.
0: a lifesaver to me. So You
1: just mentioned something very really important. Uh, yeah, sorry, I yeah, wanted something. No, no, go ahead. Uh, So at some point, and this is when my first band, right, Montuno Swing, um, I made a rule, okay? No more songs, no longer than five minutes. And keep it cool for everybody, keep the dancers happy, right? And I did that for a short period of time to see what happened, right? So this is the other outcome I got. So I got into a position when the band was playing more in automatic, meaning there was no building momentum. Mm -hmm. My band started to suffer a a, a lack of motivation because somehow you feel restricted on stage. And that's another very important aspect. You have a lot of the dancers that are listening, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. So... uh, I think that the the biggest discouragement that we ever had as musicians on the stage trying to please the dancers is that, okay, we had a great night, we played five-minute songs or less, and then we're, you know, playing great. Uh, At the end of the song, we experienced deep silence in the entire hall. And we asked ourselves, okay, did we suck? (laughs) What happened? So it happens that if you're dancing, you have a great dance. This is the time when, that you have to go grab your next dance partner, right? You, you are you are focused on something else, but the band would just perform a song for you. Mm. So I feel like the biggest thing for us as musicians is to experience that silence after the song. So I think that if dancers were more aware of that, okay, we, they just band played you know five, six minutes a song. And then you acknowledge the band, you know, at least, hey, you know, great song or, you know, nice clapping or something, and then move on, right? So then it's a back-and-forward commitment. So uh, I I try to do that. Uh, Sorry?
0: No, no, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And I really like at the Congresses a lot of times, especially at the uh, New York South Congress, is that they have the whole – uh, like the little mosh pit in front of the the stage that's mm-hmm. specifically watching the band. Uh, like you said, the the group of maybe older 40, 50, 60 remembering the Fania days, and then you have the dancers right. behind them. And you're right, the dancers we just tend to look for our next dance. But those people who are watching yeah. the whole time, I feel like they give you even more energy by you know clapping and watching you the whole time. So there are two performances going on. Everyone who dances feel like feels like they're performing, and then you as the obvious performers are. Are doing and you have someone specifically watching you, not just listening to the music? Exactly. So, exactly. I get it.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of, you know, it's a, just a balance, you know, it's just yeah. a balance. I think that we fit up out of each other, musicians and dancers, yep. and uh, as long as we keep it cool, you know, not too long for the songs, dancers clap at the end of the songs, so, you know, they, they uh, acknowledge that, you know, the solos are happening, the momentum's happening on stage, and we respect the tempos and, uh, Everybody,
0: everybody, everybody happy <laughs> <laughs> yep okay well i got two more questions yep. number one is whiplash yep. have you seen it and if so what did you think of it
1: uh, i have not seen it right? you
0: haven't seen it you I've have seen to see there, that but... movie oh man do you do you know uh, what it's about i have it. uh, no it's it's about a guy going basically for a um, competitive jazz school in new york where he's trying to compete for, no, uh, for I've heard about position.
1: It.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that's I've an incredible movie. Yeah. It's very intense, very intense. Um, I'd be just curious from, from your musician perspective, what you think of that. I'll, I'll send you a link to it after, after the show here and I'll link it up in the show notes too. So everyone can check it out, but that's one of my favorite movies and it gives this perhaps an accurate, but very intense view of the world of, um, at least jazz, uh, you know, Jazz—I forget what you call it. What would be a jazz trooper, jazz band? I mean, it would be a jazz band. What am I talking about? But yeah, for jazz bands, um, very intense. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw—I saw,
1: saw, saw some of the trailers, yeah, and then I yeah. saw—I heard a couple of my colleagues talking about it. Yeah. And yeah, definitely music on, on, on the jazz side, on, on the classical side, um, it, it's really, really—it can be really bloody sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the sense uh, I got from watching this movie too. Uh, literally, like yeah, there's literally blood as well. But yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a lifetime commitment, and and all depends on it. Culturally, you can get more demands in, if you are from certain countries, countries, or. Mm-hmm. But you know, music—it's self-discipline. You know, and it takes years to master. You know, so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, I'm really curious to see that movie, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll link it up to you. Um, the last question I had was just for someone who is just beginning out dancing salsa, maybe a day into it to a month to it, maybe six months into it, if they're still having some trouble picking up the beat because they didn't really grow up listening to salsa music. What are some maybe quick short-term ways of identifying the one count, the two counts so that they can at least try to dance in sync with the music playing and maybe more some longer term strategies just to help with picking up uh, that timing.
1: Yeah. So timing, um, it's a very important question. And this is part of a class that I did on uh, one of the congresses, uh musicality for dancers. A lot of people have been wanting to learn more about the timing issue and how it connects with music. Um, this is uh, hmm. so I don't want to get too deep into this. You know, I can elaborate in the next five hours. If you want. But, um,
0: <laughs> no, just okay. just a quick spark notes version, probably. You know, your your two or three favorite. <laughs> but so we'll have to do round two is, for that.
1: Definitely, uh, it's all in your ear. Definitely. And when you listen to salsa music, eh, there's two types of listeners, the active listener and the passive listener. You have to become an active listener, meaning when you're listening to a salsa tune, you're really trying to understand what's going on in the music, right? Um, I think the most easiest way to connect with timing is the piano. Uh, Why the piano? Because... The piano plays something that is called the montuno, which is the pattern. Uh, I want to sing it for you. You heard it? Yep. So that's the montuno, right? So the montuno uh, includes a lot of different uh, concepts, such as a Tension and release and the clave. for if you are really new at this, I want to connect with the timing. Concentrate on the strong part of the beat. Meaning, uh, when I play the montuno, you know, bum 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 that downbeat what you want for you. So uh, if you can find that on, on on a song, right? When that one hits you, when it, when it hits you, that Big
0: round that's your one mm. so
1: accounting from there
0: yeah yep yeah the the instrumentation part it's funny that came kind of last for me when, when I was learning the timing my my number one strategy honestly was uh was just cheating and looking at the rest of the guys and seeing when they were stepping forward uh that was definitely my yeah. go-to strategy and the lady was at first wondering why I was looking at everyone else besides her but uh, then I finally stopped doing that. But what you're talking about from a musicality perspective and understanding the music is way better than my strategy. My strategy is like a hack, you know, but yours sounds like the real way to become good at this stuff. So,
1: yeah, just listening more closely, um, you know, and there's some, several people who have been asking me to elaborate on YouTube about this. Mm. Um if you guys, uh, the, we had the Pacific Mambo on YouTube, you can find us. And I think uh, now I'm highly motivated, once you mentioned this, to, to start uh, putting these instructional videos about um, musicality for dancers. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people need a lot of help in regards to timing and understanding the clave, dancing in one, two, uh, New York style, uh, West Coast style, and where your food goes, on which side of the beat where the music is happening. Um uh you know right now I want to make a a personal commitment to you guys and the dancers I, I will put out a musicality for dancers on YouTube I have to <laughs>
0: Hey you heard it here first See I I'll tell you yeah. what that's I have a theory that you know they talk about salsa the salsa community where while it is very large and very far reaching it could be so much larger but I think the number yeah. 1 Issue that people experience is hitting that wall of the timing of the music, just not being able to connect the timing. And a lot of guys, especially who are really the leads and, and have to worry about this stuff a whole lot more than the women, they just can't get this very easily. So, actually, this was a year and a half ago. I participated in the local startup weekend here in Florida, and I pitched the idea okay. of uh, of dropbeat. It's funny you mentioned the word dropbeat. It, it was called dropbeat, and it was uh, basically like SoundHound. But for the beats of a song. So it would pick up the music playing live and it would interpret that music, do some signal processing, and then it would start vibrating your phone on the one count. So you could start feeling that vibration on the one and step forward on the one. It was
1: like
0: it, it was like a guy's like uh, dream come true, right? We actually had a prototype working after three days of, of nonstop, very little sleep. But And we we won. So we won Startup Weekend for that reason because it was a room full of like white boys, you know, all like me who don't know how to dance and like couldn't find the beat and everything. They were like, This is great. Now I can go and, you know, meet women and dance salsa because I don't have to worry about this salsa music that I just never know how to listen to, you know? So I think learning that beat though is is absolutely huge. Yeah.
1: And it comes down to it just breaking it down, you know, myself. I came from a strong jazz background as as a musician and a very strong classical background um, and when I started playing salsa it took me it took me like an entire year to start to understand what's happening musically as well you know so uh, I think the, the 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 answer for that is that when you listen to a song everything's already uh, arranged and it's all textured I mean you you hear everything the the, 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 the horns the singer but it very rarely you hear a track that you hear the conga only or you hear the bass or the piano only um and I think that that's key to understand where where to hit on the group because there's so much happening on a song so I guess my ultimate advice for for dancers who want to connect more with the groove listen to the most simplest forms of salsa out there. Um, I can mention a couple names uh, one of them is the recent production I did with a DJ Goose Show, it's like show without a W you can YouTube his music and the goal is to provide that for dancers, You know, very tasty salsa dancing for very simple so you can hear those layers mm.
0: yeah. yeah, check the,
1: that out the,
0: there's this there's this progression in your musical palette that i've noticed for me and for lots of my friends where we start out with uh I, this is granted stereotypical right this is not everyone but this is me there's a lot of people i've talked to we get exposed to salsa we start with casino music, you know, very upbeat, very loud uh, casino music. And then we right. switch over to maybe more like the LA style stuff, um, the maybe romantica like, like Mark Anthony, things like that. And yeah. then you move into more like the mambo, the deep bass, the very rhythmic, very uh, hypnotic almost kinds of beats that uh, you see yeah. more at the Congresses. And then you move mm-hmm. into like cha cha and pachanga and some of these more fringe kind of songs and music oh, hi, that not everyone listens to. That's what happened to me. That's what happens to a lot of people that I've talked to. Uh, you, I I I can feel you nodding as well, even though I can't see you. But it sounds like you hear some of that as well.
1: No, completely. Yeah, I think that's. Uh... Uh, yeah it's like any other discipline you know you w- just start from whatever is available whatever is more commercial and the more you get into things you get to get the essence of things and you get you go for what's really essential yep uh, and and yeah totally um
0: well, that's the fun no. of this. I mean that's going that's going deep. Like that's that's why this community is so fun because you can just keep on diving deeper and deeper and you're never gonna hit the bottom. There's just so much stuff. I'm sure you also just keep on finding new stuff. I know DJs from all over the country that keep on finding new kinds of music and new things to play in their in their set every night.
1: Right, right. And and you know, and even in a salsa song, remember that salsa is a terminology, it's a very general terminology for this kind of music you can have one song that includes uh, the guaracha, which is the actual rhythm that we know as salsa today but it comes from a rhythm called guaracha. in a song you can have another rhythm called the wawanko, you can have another rhythm called pachanga you can have another rhythm called mambo all in one single song so uh, as a dancer, if you are more experienced, I recommend that the more familiar you get with those changes happening in, in the rhythm section, it would help a lot to interpret, you know, your dance routines or or, or dancing on the socials. You know, you would create more momentum um, knowing these patterns.
0: Yeah, man. So I I thought that this was gonna be like my quick questions, and this ended up being like super awesome, just talking about about this stuff with the music. So. Uh, I'm I'm going to be respectful of your time here. I know you're a busy man. I know your whole band is very busy here. Uh, I want to say congratulations on all the success, especially with the Grammys and with the Kickstarter. And um, I'll definitely promote the heck out of this. Notice I said heck. I'm trying to keep my iTunes rating here. But uh, I'm going to definitely promote the heck out of this. And uh, I'm (laughs) going to share it with everybody. We'll definitely – I want to leave just with – how can people find out more about you guys? Uh, what do you want them to do when it comes to the music with the album dropping, with the music video? Just give us, uh, give us everything we need to know coming off of today's conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah well, um, you know, basically what's coming up, a lot of people have been asking us what's after the Grammy. Okay, We have a very first uh, successful first album, and this is the very first single release that we have after the, the Grammy award-winning city. So we put a lot of thought into this particular song. It's only one song. It's called the Pacific Mambo Dance. And basically, in this song, you can hear everything. We just talked about in the last hour. <laughs> 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 it, it, it's a process of six months of us putting together the questions. How are we going to please dancers? How are we going to please uh, the jazz listeners? How are we going to please the pop industry? How we want to please teenagers and, and and young children? How we want to please 60 and 70 year old, you know, fan fanny of fans? Uh, how we want to please the the people who are into r and and rap uh, or bachata? So this song has all those ingredients in it. I think I think that more thorough I can be about this song. It, <laughs> it's designed to be. Uh, to transform and crossover, a crossover period. That, that's what the Pacific Mambo dance is. Awesome. Um, the, the video, the video is about the song, but also the message in the video. And you're gonna notice by its format, it's not the classic salsa band looking video. It's more of a, I don't know how to even put it. Like, um, it, it has definitely a more pop look a more young look. Um, So this is, uh, the the video is about the dance and the the message is anybody can dance mambo, period. So we believe that that is our first uh, great attempt to to take this you know, music to the next level um, and you just can't miss it. Uh, it's all it's on iTunes right now. You can download it on iTunes uh, or Pacific Mambo Dance. Or Pacific Mambo Dance. You can go to our Facebook, Pacific Mambo, and check all the updates. Our uh, videos coming up sometime next week. We'll soon get that posted, and we're very excited about it. ¿Qué pasó? Que aquí estoy cayendo guapería con el Sambo 21. Vengo, sabes, y vacilando y a todo el mundo aquí. Te estoy invitando. ¿Para